Hi everyone, this is Nick. This is a very special episode of Profiles and Risk, where I walk around the plug-and-play incubator and accelerator and speak to a lot of startup founders and very inspirational characters who are uh, working through plug-and-play and doing some really incredible work in insurance. If you're one of those people that thinks insurance is boring, you'll be hard-pressed to think that after listening to these interviews. Cue the music. This is Profiles in Risk. Hosted by Nick Lamparelli. Every week, we interview those who risk life, limb, fortunes, career, and reputation. And those who work behind the scenes who look to protect and enlighten us about risk. You can find the show notes and other insurance-related content at insnerds.com. That's I-N-S-N-E-R-D-S dot com. Now, on to the show. What's your name? Matthew Godley. What do you do? I'm the founder of ITFT, which stands for Innovative Technology for Transportation. And what is IF? ITFT. We are a company that specializes in crash avoidance systems that can be retrofitted all the way back to vehicles manufactured since 1996 to help prevent 86% of accidents which are caused from speeding, reckless driving, and cellular distractions. What gave you the idea to do this? What was the inspiration? Well, I was a former race car driver, and one of my childhood friends was killed in a car accident, and I was influenced to channel my ability beyond winning races into a company and technology that can help save lives and increase automotive safety around the world. Okay, so where where does the company stand now? We're an early-stage company. We have patents, and we just completed our prototypes, and we're currently raising around an investment to supply orders for Proxy, which is our technology, and to complete a pilot program with an entity that has more than 13,000 vehicles in its fleet. So, uh, do you have any customers yet? Uh, we have pre-sale commitment orders, yes, uh, but as far as existing company or customers right now, not yet, but they're uh, anxious to get it and to use it because they see great value in it. So, uh, where are we now? Why, why are you here? Uh, we are actually at Stein Beer Gardens in Mountain View. Beautiful night here at a plug-and-play event, and I'm here to help connect myself with uh, like-minded entrepreneurs, that even if they're in different spaces, just to share our stories and to uh, lean on each other and to also connect with insurance companies that are forward-thinking and wanting to increase safety for their policyholders in the automotive space as well. So what's been the toughest part about being a founder of a startup company? Uh, I think it's about perspective, honestly. I think that comes with maturity. It's like Thomas Edison said when uh, someone asked him how he felt when he failed 10,000 times creating the incandescent light bulb. He responded, I didn't fail 10,000 ways. I found 10,000 ways not to create the light bulb. And I think you're going to go through uh, speed bumps and get uh, scratches on your face along the way in many different aspects of uh, technological development, uh, MVP features, just learning your market. But the main thing is just to learn, improve, and to keep going. So that's that's something that you have to learn. You either have it in your spirit or you don't. And I think a lot of that comes to having a great team because they can help you overcome certain obstacles and to use those as experiences to grow stronger uh, than you would have if you hadn't encountered them. What, what is the culture like over at your company? 
Uh, we have a pretty diverse group, which I think is our strong suit. It's, uh, do, you, do you have a foosball table? Do we have a foosball table? No, we do not. But, you know, we should get one of those. <laughs> we should get one of those. That or a ping pong table. I'm more of a ping pong hey, player. Uh, where are you located? Uh, we actually split time in between Charlotte, North Carolina and Silicon Valley. Our engineering facility is out here, actually on Wolf Road. You can almost throw a football. Uh, to I'm, I'm surprised your engineering team hasn't quit, considering you haven't gotten a foosball table yet. Me too. But, you know, most of them uh, are more into video games and foosball. So, you know, if I maybe I should get a, a ping pong table, a foosball table, and, and some video games so that they can uh, entertain themselves in between sessions. Where are you originally from? Charlotte, North Carolina. So now that you've come, you have an office here in Silicon Valley, you're here at Plug and Play, you must come here all the time now. For the, for the audience that's listening to this, what's it, what are the people, like? what's it like here in Silicon Valley? Can you walk through that part of it? I would say that the, there's a difference in this culture. It's electric here. Everyone's motivated, everyone's inspired, and, and wants to create a change. And just that energy, you, you feed off of that, regardless of whether someone's in financial technology or someone's in... Uh, anything else. You just feed off of that and, and it helps you grow and it helps you uh, achieve whatever goals you set forward for yourself. And I'm, I've spent time all over the country and all over the world and this is really the only area that I've ever felt like this and it seems like a great place to, to found a company, to start a company because with that type of thinking and, and energy, I think anything's possible. And the weather's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Weather's phenomenal, food's great and uh, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world too so that certainly helps well thank you and best of luck thank you to you as well what's your name uh jim rice and what do you do i am the chief sales officer and treasurer of rethought insurance why is that important Oh, I think Rethought Insurance is going to revolutionize uh, the industry. I think uh, with our products, with our meta product approach, being able to spin up products left and right and build a platform that will enable us to do that in a, in a, in a heartbeat is going to really shake up the industry and solve a lot of problems. So what's your first product? Commercial Flood. Are you the most handsome person on the team? Absolutely. I, my partner, Nick, unfortunately, has a face for radio, but... Um, I will take the I will take uh, the most handsome person on the team. Yes. I have a face for radio and a voice not for radio as well, unfortunately. So, what is what has been your uh, biggest surprise about doing a startup? Uh, I would say that um, being being very hands-on is something that I, I always enjoy being, but I never realized to the extent that I had to be so hands-on in this in this process. It's been an incredible learning experience, almost even better than anything any case study I've ever done in business school. But learning how to be responsible for money, uh, overseeing logistics, and and trying to trying to really build something, I think is really what uh, you know. It was it really exponentially uh, surprised me. I have to say. So on the commercial flood side, 
That sounds really difficult to do. What's what's so difficult about it? Uh, it's difficult because the NFIP has been doing this flood insurance game for so long that the private market has completely had does completely doesn't know how to do it. The, the market just doesn't know how to do it. It doesn't know how to respond to uh, you know natural disasters like Hurricane Harvey and the wake of of, of its devastation. So I think that right now the industry needs to let the market become more privatized and put its stock more in technology to be able to better underwrite and assess flood risk. I ran out of questions. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Thank you. No, pretty pretty basic. Pretty basic. What's your name? Pablo. And what do you do? I'm an intern at Plug and Play. What is Plug and Play? Well, Plug and Play basically is like an incubator of startups. It, they basically meet corporate partners with startups so that they, they can, you know, get the innovation that startups can provide to their corporate partners. And yeah, basically that's what we do. And and how how did you get how did you become a part of Plugin? Well, I worked last summer at a at a company that's in Valencia, in Spain. That is where actually I live. And that company is owned by our CEO, that's Said. And through that, like the best intern, they offered him to come to Plug and Play, and that's basically how I ended up here. We have another guest. What's your name? My name is Hadia, and I work on marketing for Plug and Play and SureTech. So, can you describe what the value of Plug and Play is to, to the insurance industry? It's definitely our ecosystem. So, we want everybody to win, even if we're not making money off of them. And that's why we don't take any equity from any of our startups that come in. And then um, our network is 5,000 strong of just the strongest insure techs and the um, insurance companies from across the globe. You've met our intern, Pablo, I see. Yes. He just so happens to be from across the pond. Yep. yep. So we just uh, I I run a podcast, and so going around and just interviewing people and trying to basically understand like the, some of the innovation they're bringing to the market and and why they're here and why this is important because we're here as well. Yes. What's been like some of the one of the proudest moments you've had while you've been at Plug and Play? Oh man, um, we have been around for about a year now and we've grown to the largest insurance innovation platform in the world and when we crossed the 50 50 partner mark I think that was one of our proudest moments and it kind of substantiated something within our team that this not only can be big but it, it can change a lot of things uh, not just here in America but also in Tokyo and Germany Munich and then across the board all the way over to Singapore and um, London so th those one of the proudest moments that we've had here that was about a month or two ago and I've had a couple of wowzers before that but none like that it's growing really fast Black and Play is like hiring lots of people like you know it's like we can reach that and we are doing it very very fast can I can I ask you have you spoken to our director I have not would you like to I'd love to Ali That's Ali, our director. He's uh, on charge of the whole team yeah. of InsureTech. <laughs> this is the director of Insure. This is the man who made it all happen, and he did it in the lean startup approach spirit of Silicon Valley. What's your name? 
I'm Ali. And I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> I don't know what's the idea here. Okay, I'm not an alcoholic. I was joking. I do drink occasionally, but uh, for fun. I don't know what's this about. Uh, I have a podcast oh, okay. that deals with insurance topics. Okay. And so I'm interviewing people for a few seconds to try to get a feel of what they're doing and the, the type of innovation they're bringing to insurance, okay. which is inspiring to millennials and people that you know might be in college and looking for a career choice. Yeah. So why plug and play? How did you how did you get involved with this? So uh, it was pretty random to be honest. I mean, I, I wasn't really looking into insurance and I think a lot of other people out there are not really looking into insurance either. It's like, it's one of those industries you really don't want to think about it unless you have to. And usually when you have to is when you have a loss, which at least you think about is opportunities in that industry. It's more like, I need this to get, you know, to be over with. So I was part of the venture team at Play and Play. One of them randomly, one of our partners being Munich Re, asked us to look into insurance. We did. We actually took a deep dive into the industry. We actually found it's it's more interesting than we initially thought because we never thought about it. And when we did, we decided that, hey, we're going to have a program. And, and then we did. We launched the program in May 2016, May 26, 2016. And now it's by far the biggest program in Play and Play. How many partner companies are now part of Plug and Play? Uh, I believe the latest number, because we just signed MSN AD uh, this week, which should be publicly announced soon, but I mean, it's good to go, so that's why I could announce it last week. So I think with that, we'll be roughly around 55. So why should a startup that's dabbling in insurance consider plug and play? The biggest question is why not? We're not asking for equity. We're not asking for cash. All we do is this, is that we believe that we could manage the biggest ecosystem of InsurTech in one place. We provide anything that a founder needs from capital to connections, to corporates, to clients, to mentors, to advisors, to insight in one place. Why do we do this? Because we believe that a startup, more than anything else, they need time. They need time to go back and focus on the product more than knocking on doors for six to eight months to connect to the right person in the company who has over a hundred thousand people of employees. And if we just connect to the right person who is a meaningful relationship, that's, that time could be better spent on product. And we do everything, as I said, we know, you know strings attached to it, which a lot of times our biggest problem is to make people believe that we really have no strings attached to it. And why do we do this? It's not charity. It's not we believe that you know we're doing it for free and people owe us. It's because as an investor, we realize that the smartest way to do investments is to have an ecosystem that brings constant deal flows to us and at the same time gives us insights and scope into everything that happens and with that we could make the best investments so if if you're a young engineer let's say down the street in stanford why should they consider doing anything in insurance isn't insurance boring so here's a beautiful thing that i learned in the past year which i never really thought about is that one thing that i realized is opportunity usually exists a lot more in industries that most people don't think about or they find not as comfortable as comfortable or sexy as any other the more sexier something is the more attention you know it gets and the less opportunity there exists because you know being saturated example i would compare travel industry to the insurance industry the travel industry you have a lot of startups uh who are going after uh, personalizing the travel experience. But the truth is after Airbnb and a few other companies that do aggregation of, you know, being OTAs and online travel agents basically, there's not much that could be done or has been done or could be just like no one really cracked the code. And it's been going on for the past years. 
On the other side of the business, you have a market which is much bigger than insurance, but it's super fragmented. You have a lot of boutique hotels that can, is the biggest part of the industry, which makes your customer acquisition cost so high and convincing them so high to change that it's just it's hard to do stuff. And the regulation for the travel industry, you know, people talk about regulations and insurance and how hard it is. Trust me, changing something instead of an air, air, you know, airplane's cabin is a thousand times harder than you know trying to do an AI system for underwriting because that one goes for a lot of government-oriented security. And on the other side, you have an industry like insurance, which one is an industry that is literally sitting on cash. Two, for the longest time, for various reasons, has been overlooked. You know, people never really thought about insurance, as I said, unless they had to. And for the longest time, insurtech was categories of part of fintech. <coughs> Which I think was is super wrong because technology overlap is quite insignificant compared to how much overlap there's between mobility and IoT and insurance, as an example. But now people are starting to look into it. <coughs> so that means an industry who's been overlooked for the longest time with a lot of capital is ready for disruption and is starting to embrace innovation, which makes it the perfect industry to be tapped into to change and you know make money in, along the way. Besides being interviewed for this podcast, what has been the proudest moment that you've had in Plug and Play? Oh, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough question. I mean, I really can't think anything beyond this interview. But uh, I would say the proudest moment was is I wouldn't say one, but times like today, that in one setting you see a lot of great smart people who actually come to us and trust us as an advisor, and they have left yet and I don't think they will leave soon based on the feedback that I receive and this is when I feel like we're making a difference and we're having an impact on an industry that just has not been touched thank you Ali best of luck of course thank you what's your name Janet Anderson and what do you do I'm the Chief Marketing Officer for Lapidus Solutions. What is that? Lapidus has built a variety of tools that carriers can use that utilizes interesting elements to assess risk on individuals. Uh, those include things like a selfie, where we're able to provide a, an assessment of BMI, age, gender, and we're coming out with a smoking algorithm shortly. In addition to that, we've identified different covariates that have an impact on assessing mortality risk. And with just a few questions, we're able to calculate a life expectancy on you. And with a few more questions, we can calculate a healthy life expectancy. So with just the selfie and a few questions, you can get all of that information. Absolutely. Want to try it? I do. Is, is it possible to get that on either a video or to share it with the audience? Uh, probably. Well, I could do it right now if you want. Okay, well, we'll figure that out. <laughs> um, what's been the hardest part of uh, getting this startup built up? I think the hardest part has been insurance carriers knowing how to operationalize innovation. And that's a challenge for them. It doesn't matter if it's our innovation or anyone else's. They have processes that have been baked in for decades. And to make any change is difficult. On top of that, if they're going to make a change in the entire application process, that will cost them 
a million plus dollars. So before they want to make that commitment, they want to understand how this is going to benefit them and if our outputs or whatever technology they're looking at is really going to be something they can put their money behind. What has been the most satisfying moment through this whole thing? It has been watching our first client, LNG, put our platform out there and talk about how it's really helped them speak to a different level of consumer, which at the end of the day, our scientists were really hoping that they would be able to help carriers speak to a different set of consumers, get more insurance sold, and they didn't know anything about insurance, and they just feel like it's an important product to have and to put it in the consumer's hands in a faster, easier way. That's great. Why plug and play? Why are you here? Well, I'm here because of Munich Re. I had met with them uh, last year at the InsureTech conference, and they invited me out here to meet with their incoming CEO and their executive team. And during that session, they also introduced me to Ali. Um, and who we just who we just interviewed. Ah, well, I thought it was just a hi, how are you meeting, but it was a very detailed grilling of who we are. A week later, I was invited back to participate in the second batch of selection, and we made it through the process, and we were in the batch two, which was very exciting. Um, so now you're a veteran. I'm a veteran, and it's been awesome. It's been awesome. I mean, the, talking to the carriers, um, interacting with other startups, um, everybody's going to some of the same challenges, some of the same positives, some of the highs and lows, uh, but it's been super. So where are you based out of? Our company is headquartered in Wilmington, North Carolina. I live in Annapolis, Maryland. So just for give a quick description of what it's like uh, from a startup perspective to be out here in Silicon Valley. Oh, gosh. It's just the energy is unbelievable. And not just from the other startups here at Plug and Play, but the entire area out here. You just feel it when you're driving by Google, Apple. This is where the hub of all of this new disruption in a variety of areas is here. And it's amazing. I was thinking today, it's only been 10 years since the iPhone came out, which I think you're interviewing me on. And the disruption from technology from the last 10 years just has been unbelievable. And where it's going in the next 10 years, we can't really even imagine. And we get to be a part of it. Exactly. Fantastic. Janet, thank you. Good luck. Thank you. What's your name? Jennifer Linton. And what do you do? I am the founder and CEO of Fenris. What is Fenris? It's an insure tech company. And what area are you in? We streamline underwriting processes for PNC primarily. So can you give me an example of what you streamline? Walk us through walk us through something that you streamline. <laughs> well, one of the fun use cases we're working on is really around the small business commercial space. So someone with a small company. There's a lot of activity going on there. Actually, clients pulled us that way. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we had to go out and search for new data sets that would support the underwriting aspects. And by bringing those in and selectively enriching, we can support use cases where we either pre-fill or do a retro analysis for rate making. 
and ultimately come up with new rating variables that they might implement. So this is your second startup, right? Yeah. And so at this stage, could you get a job in the real world? Would you want a job in the real world? I think that's right. Would I? Should I? yeah, I've worked. I've also worked in with Allianz, you know, in the corporate offices there, as well as with Admiral Group. Um, so large insurance companies, with the right companies, you can work for the right people. But my great luxury in life right now is I get to choose who I work with, and that I would never trade again. One of the advantages of being an entrepreneur. One of the great advantages, part of that roller coaster. So what's one of the drawbacks? The roller coaster. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can you name one of the drawbacks? We said what 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 part of the roller coaster? about the anticipation and the fear and you buckle in and you have a little bit of a safety net but it doesn't seem like that's what you're paying attention to as you're starting to climb up the hill right and then the feeling where your stomach just drops it's thrilling and exhilarating for a little bit but then there's another climb so every day is like there's a win and then there might be a setback another win and a setback so you just got to come prepared every day for whatever happens that's good advice Yeah, I wish someone had given me that advice. (laughs) Well, thank you, and best of luck going forward. Thanks, Nick. Hi, what's your name? Jane Wang. And what do you do? I'm CEO of Optimity, and we make a digital health platform that uses machine learning and help risk score for the millennial population. Who are your customers? Uh, Corporates and insurers. What are you doing here at Plug and Play? Uh, I'm pitching the life business to help insurance transform their customer experience so that it can recruit and retain more millennials. So we had a prior conversation before we got onto tape. Um, what what have you noticed about the the ages of a lot of the customers that you're approaching? And uh, actually, let me change that. Is insurance an attractive career for millennials? I don't think that would be, if you went to any college campus and you asked people what they wanted to do, I think very rarely would you get the answer of insurance. But is it, a, is it from what you've seen, is it attractive? I think for entrepreneurs, yes, because there are so many legacy systems and so many gaps that you could do something to change the way that it's done. And there is a need, um, especially I work in the world of health and life insurance, and there's a hugely underinsured population out there. If something were to happen to them, uh, they don't have the coverage in place to ensure they're happy. So what is your background? What did you study in school? Uh, I have a biochem degree from McGill, and I also have an MBA from Ivy. So how how did you transition from that education over over to the insurance side? I stumbled into it. Uh, I yeah, uh, from my health science background, I went into the hospital systems and then went into pharma, uh, which was a natural transition because I think. For a lot of young people who are very interested in science, research and uh, pharma really kind of paid the money, but also allowed us to kind of exercise that skill set. And then after my MBA, I went into consulting, 
uh, also within health, and that was a natural progression, and then uh, stumbled into a niche private equity shop that was analyzing high-growth areas, and one of the high-growth areas was workers' compensation claims, and that's when I stumbled onto um, the world of kind of insurance and policies and why was there such a... um, a a lot of money being lost and why is there such a big commercial opportunity in this world and now I'm drawn into it because of just the business um, aspects of it Um, and it's not just you know the fact that uh, there's money to be made there's actually a lot of as uh, insurance is evolving into a lifestyle brand uh, there is a true opportunity here for uh, not only create really big ventures, but also to create impact on the uh, every human life. Because the real reason that we have insurance is so that we have not only peace of mind, but now in the minds of millennials, added value to your life, to your longevity, to your quality of life. So what gave you, what was, what happened, what were like the set of events that occurred that... Co- made you think, I'm going to create a startup. I'm going to be part of that. Uh, what what opportunity did you see? And what were, what were like the, really the, the, I guess the inspirational moments that just let you, that you said, I'm going to do this? Uh, two moments uh, occurred. Uh, one is that uh, when I was really deep into pharma, um, I was a risk officer, so I prevent death on phase two, phase three trials. And um, when I was doing kind of analytics work for that, it was kind of easy to be mathematically good. And then uh, because it's all modeling and then you have a very simple decision tree. So I was actually very good at getting a perfect result. I had a perfect record. I actually won an award for that. And then um, I ended up... Uh, actually losing my mother um, due to late detection of cancer. And then then that's where I saw a disconnect between perfect math and uh, the inability of that perfect math to actually affect outcomes in the real world. Uh, So that was the first juncture where it made me question uh, my own personal impact in the world. So I started this side project, uh, which eventually became Optimity, but it was a side project to uh, look at prevention, look at early detection of care, uh, look at collecting health data so that we can start using mathematics to predict what each person's risks are and hopefully find the people like my mother who had a very high risk but themselves did not know, and she was 50 at the time. The second juncture happened actually at this uh, private equity shop, and uh, it was my boss talking to me. And uh, he is a very accomplished young uh, man, and he said to me, "You've been working on this for a while. Why don't you? Like, why is it not your full-time job?" And so that gave you an inkling of <laughs> of something of of high potential. Yes, that did, and uh, and that also because every day when we were do we were acquiring companies that was doing workers' comp and claim uh, like workers' compensation claims, and uh, seeing the statistics myself, there was kind of irrevocable proof that there is a market need for this. So not only would it be a passion project, it would also be a real business. What's been the hardest part of having a startup? Also, the speed to adoption, 
Um, it's it's tougher in insurance than in other lines of business. Absolutely, uh, be- it's tougher not only uh, because of the uh, the actual sales challenge of whatever a regular sales cycle or a partner cycle would be, but it's also tougher because coming back to your original issue on the age gap and the talent gap. Um, the people we're speaking to are not digital natives. The people we're speaking to are uh, somewhat disconnected to uh, how the current millennials think or how the current millennials buy or what they really want. And that turns out to be one of the most important um, anchors for the population that I have insight to just natively without, right? Um, and insurance is hard, so you you have to convince someone who is not that that this is how people think, and then um, and then on top of that, add in the bureaucracy of a large, uh, multi-layered. Uh, organization, uh, I mean, that's speed is what kills startups sometimes. Well, your story's inspirational, and best of luck, and thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hi, what's your name? My name's Jack Crawford. I am a CEO of Datalog.ai. And who are you? Uh, Stefan, I'm the CTO of Datalog.ai. And what does Datalog AI do? We're a chatbot platform for building uh, quick chatbots for people. Okay. Why does the insurance industry need chatbots? Because of customer experience. Uh, Customer experience is poor. You file a claim and you're unhappy that day, and you're probably unhappy after you file it. All the trouble of doing it can be resolved in an easy way by giving you an access that doesn't involve speaking with a human, waiting on the phone, coping with challenges. So what what percentage of insurance-related use cases can be handled by chatbots? Uh, I think uh, first this number will increase uh, quickly in the following uh, month, uh, following the improvement in the technology. And today it's already ready to uh, solve some simple issue like uh, can I find a doctor in my place? Uh, or all these FAQ uh, websites, now they can be turned very efficiently into uh, uh, chatbots. So what lines of insurance are you guys mostly focused in? Property and casualty, because that's where all the pain is from a customer experience perspective. I can tell you from being in PNC, there's a lot of pain. So that that's actually a very good uh, place to start. So um, how long have you guys, how long has your startup been active? We were founded in May of 2016, and we spent a year building this platform using deep learning and artificial intelligence. So it's actually a rather clever platform. It helps you build a chatbot that feels like a human speaking with you. And where'd the idea come from? It started, actually, we pivoted from predictive analytics to this because we look for a problem that nobody else is solving. So we went for text. Text is the most difficult challenge in AI today. Being able to understand a human being and respond with something that's human, creating the illusion for us as humans that our machines actually understand us. In the future, it won't be an illusion, but today, we're happy with that. So how much of normal day-to-day communication can be converted into an automated format where a chatbot can uh, almost simulate a human? Um, I think when the 
um, engine is ready, it's very easy to uh, automate it and to make it scale to infinity. Okay. Because it's so what what's the t what's the what's the toughest part to get it started? Like what's the what's the first um, element that a when you're developing this that you have to tackle? Uh, the understanding of uh, language of natural language uh, English and we are doing also French German Chinese and uh, that's the hardest today is to be able to understand a, a, a human speaking the human side of it, if I may. So it's a story. Everybody needs to hear a story. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. In the beginning, everything's okay. Then things go badly, and the hero goes through a transformation and gets a happy ending. It's every movie we watch, and that's the way it should be when you have that's, a channel. That, that's not always every insurance story, though. There's not always a happy ending. Then we're going to have to make it better experience, even though it's had. So a little empathy is what you can bring into a chatbot, because now you have the ability with tools like ours to build it yourself, to build that story in a way that's more natural. Do you find that uh, claims is a natural entry point uh, to to handle that? Uh, my reason for it is that when you're filing a claim, it's because you just had an accident or a loss. It is a bad day, and it doesn't need to get worse. So is it is it possible? This is one of the really interesting parts of a chatbot is how do you program the how do you program something to handle the emotions of that claim day? Because they're, they're very emotional, probably very sensitive. So how do you how do you work around the development of that? So I think we should both answer that. So I'll give you the first part. It's to the chatbot designer that builds the story that understands the person where they're going through. We call it the customer journey, okay. whatever the customer journey is. And you need to work with marketing people, with real customers to go through, hey, what was your worst experience dealing? What did you dislike? Well, I dislike that I call in Sunday. Day and they told me the office hours are closed. So th things like that. On the other side, there's a technical aspect. And I'm gonna let. So um, talking about the sentiment models, this this domain is uh, commoditized today. Uh, it's working very accurately. So it's easy for a machine to understand the emotions in a sentence. And uh, after that, you just have to design the scenario you want to build according to the different emotions. Uh, you can understand in a sentence. Okay. So uh, after claims, what would be the next area of PNC that would be natural for a chatbot? Maybe payments or underwriting? I guess it would be cross-selling, honestly. If I were a carrier, I sell financial services and other things. I want to take the person through the journey that is, hey, everything's okay now. We'd like to talk to you about how you can handle such situations in the future. By the way, we offer X, Y, and Z. And I think people want to go to one place where they're happy. Why do we want to have five different companies where there's an uneven experience between them? If we get a good experience, then we'll buy other services. So what's been the toughest part um, you know, in, in this process of creating a startup up to this point? What's, what's the most difficult challenge that you guys have to, to overcome? I think it's because we're creating something that isn't fully accepted yet. Uh, if I ask anyone I know, when was the last time you used a chatbot? They can't think of it. Um, they don't. They don't realize that they're. They've actually probably been using one and not realize that it was a chatbot. That's exactly correct. 
that, that's the situation I find out. If I ask deeper, I say, well, have you been on a website? Have you done the chat? Well, I'm talking to a human. So, well, not for the first three sentences. It's actually a chatbot. Where do you hope to be in a year? Uh, we want to move the AI much further along. But we want to be uh, not just in insurance, but in other industries where customer experience is an area of improvement. This area I've worked in in the past. I've been in consulting and customer experience. So it's a, my, my passion. Thank you so much. Best of luck.